Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, October 15th. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on these wonderful Thursdays by Mike Craven. Mike, say what's up to the people. Going on, everybody? Now, Mike, you're probably a happy guy right now. Your Atlanta Braves are stormrolling towards a World Series, but not everyone who roots for a, a team is happy right now, including many of the people listening right now. Um, things a little bit interesting uh, with the Texas fan base and Last Saturday, not only did Texas lose a game to Oklahoma, one of its biggest rivals, they also lost a recruiting battle against Texas A&M, one of its other biggest rivals, no matter what way people want to cut it. Uh, Laporte defensive tackle, Albert Regis, picked the Aggies over Texas. Those were kind of the two schools uh, aiming for his services. Um, First off, is this a big win, a little win, medium-sized win for Texas A&M? How would you rate this uh, recruitment? Well, he's a big guy, you know, near 300 pounds, probably a nose tackle uh, type prospect. But, I, you know, I don't think it was a huge win. You know, defensive tackles, I don't know if they really tip the scale unless maybe they're like an Ed Oliver, Warren Sapp type, you know, NFL caliber player. I was out in LaPorte uh, to watch him play against Port Arthur Memorial because they have a couple commitments. So it was a way to see all three of those guys in the same game. Uh, he was a little underwhelming. So I, I think Texas fans are okay there. You know, I don't think it's a, a push the panic button on Albert. He was kind of the big defensive tackle target for Texas. I, I don't know if you know, they kind of wait till next cycle to fill that void or if they go find another guy. So in that retrospect, it was a big loss. They wanted Albert uh, as part of the class. But in terms of like how much momentum it swings one way or the other, I don't know if an interior defensive lineman ever really does that. Now, do you think Texas would go try to find another defensive tackle in, in interior lineman in this class or – do you think with what's still left out there, the uncommitted prospects of that position, that they may just kind of you know, wipe their hands and say, let's get ready for 2022? Yeah, I think it's more likely they just kind of wipe their hands and go, okay, let's just wait till 2022. Uh, but with senior film coming out now, you know, guys are three, four games into their senior season. There wasn't really an off season to look at guys in camps. You know, there could be a name or two that pops up at that position that they're impressed by. Um, over these over these last few months and stuff so there could be a new offer out or two uh, but that's going to take some tape that's pretty overwhelming I think the more likely bet is that they wait till 2022 and, and to fill those voids because they they feel like they did pretty good in 2020 with Alfred Collins Vernon Broughton uh, Sawyer Gordon uh, Welch so I think they, they feel pretty good about that position right now with the youth We'll talk about Billy Bowman in a second, but obviously last week his decommitment was kind of the big news on the recruiting trail. Um, Albert um, choosing A&M over Texas was the big news this weekend. Um, with everything that's going on with this football team, with everything that's going on with the eyes of Texas, with everything that's going on with recruiting this past week, um, do you Texas fans need to start freaking out? I feel like we're asking this question every every week to you now, or is this one of those things where you just kind of hold your breath and things will be all right and uh, just kind of get, get to that early signing day or late signing day in February. Yeah, I think that depends on Herman's uh, position with this program uh, come after early signing day. You know, it's so late in the cycle. I think for the most part, Texas keeps the decent amount of class together. You know, of course, if they finish, you know, four and six, five and five, something like that, maybe they lose a guy or two more, but, I think for the most part, the way this cycle's been and the way there's no official visits until at least 2021, I think for the most part, we know what this class is. It'll stay together. It'll sign as long as Tom Herman's there. Uh, But in terms of recruiting momentum, I don't know if there's anything worse for it 
than instability at the coaching staff position, especially at the head coach position. Uh, you know, we think of these guys as committing to a university, uh, but from talking to them on a yearly basis, it, you know, they, they kind of commit to a head coach and to a program as much as they do to a university. So if the head coach isn't going to be there, it's hard to really pull that trigger. So moving forward, how this season ends, uh, what Crystal Conte says about the, the future of Tom Herman, I think those things are huge on the recruiting trail, not for this class necessarily, but for the next one and the one after that. Uh, because if Tom Herman's not around, that changes everything. You're not going to commit to a school. You're not going to come to a school uh, that doesn't have a head coach that you know. So uh, it'll be interesting. The fallout there will definitely be felt on the recruiting trail if it's not turned around and he's not retained uh, moving forward. Let, let me ask you this. Of everything, of everything that's going on at Texas, um, the two and two record. And, you know, I think we all at this point kind of expect, uh, you know, things to kind of, this may be a six, seven win team as opposed to them running the table and maybe finishing like nine and two. Um, Tom Herman's job security, the eyes of Texas and the fans, you know, in my opinion, absurd reaction to that song and these athletes and, you know, how they're going about their personal business what is like the biggest, what are the recruits paying the most attention to? Is it a struggling team? Is it the fact that the coach they committed to might get fired? Is it the, re- the way these fans are, are acting? What matters the most to these recruits? Yeah, I think it's the state of the program and the struggling on the field coincides with the uncertainty of, of Tom Herman's future and other schools are going to use that against Texas on the recruiting trail. And kids want to go – one, they want to go play uh, early, but also they want to win. You know, there's a reason Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, those guys sign the best recruiting classes year in, year out, because since those uh, guys in these recruiting classes could watch football, they've been really good. And so success on the field creates success on the recruiting trail. That creates stability at the head coaching position. And right now Texas doesn't have any of those. And when you come into a new place, you can kind of sell hope. You can walk in and go, hey, look, it didn't work under Charlie Strong. We're going to make it work. And you saw Texas sign a great class in 2018, 2019, even last year. Uh, eventually, the results on the field have to match that enthusiasm and the talk uh, on the recruiting trail. And so far, it hasn't. I don't know if they really pay attention to what the fans are saying about the eyes. I think they care more about what Coach Herman thinks about it. And it seems like you know, he backs the players on their ability to either stay out there or not stay out there. Um, and so as long as that's going, uh, I think it, the, um, the big issue for them is competing for titles. And right now, Texas isn't competing for Big 12 titles, much less national titles. And that's ultimately what's going to hurt them the most on the recruiting trail. Now, while Texas did miss out on Albert Regis this past weekend, there are still a decent amount of recruits in that 2021 class, and Texas has already started building that 2022 class. And so you've gotten to see a couple of these recruits. You saw three of these commits this past weekend, um, as you mentioned. You saw Port Arthur where there's two commits, and you also saw uh, Houston Strike Jesuit Jesuit play, excuse me, um, and they have offensive lineman Max Morrell. So for today's podcast, we're kind of going to do a – uh, scouting reports kind of give uh, fans a little bit of a 411 on some of these commits. Let's start with um, Port Arthur Memorial defensive lineman Jordan Thomas, class of 2021, four star, 6'3, 240. What's the scouting report on Jordan? 
a really high motor kid. You know, I've seen him at camps and uh, with fast seven on seven, but never in a game because he hurt his uh, leg last year and missed pretty much the whole his whole junior season. Uh, so this is my first time to really see him live in game action. And it's hard to to see big guys play every snap. You know, they're they're usually out of shape, you know, kind of still have some baby fat on them, uh, not able to play hard on every single snap. It wasn't true uh, for Jordan Thomas. He played really, really hard. And so uh, watching him be able to handle that uh, amount of, of snaps and that amount of uh, responsibility was pretty impressive. He had over six sacks or six tackles, I'm sorry, a sack and a half, blocked a punt. So he was kind of all over the field. Uh, really impressed with him. I think he solidified himself as a four-star for me and a couple other guys that were in attendance that night. Now, is he someone that Texas would, you know, keep on the end as an edge rusher, or would they try to bulk him up and move him inside? Where, where do you kind of see his future at? Uh, watching him and then standing next to him to do the interview, Taquan Graham was kind of the, the physical size and just kind of build it reminded me of. So – you know, I could see him early on being a defensive end and run formation stuff. Maybe he stays out there like Moro Ajomo has been able to, despite his size. Uh, but I think he grows into a, a Taquan Graham kind of a three technique, interior, athletic run stopper, can still get after the passer from in there. So on the outside, he's not overly athletic for a defensive end. If he transitions to defensive tackle, he becomes a really athletic defensive tackle. And that, that's kind of where the, the game is moving, is kind of spinning down and being athletic rather than big. You wrote about Jordan um, in your dotted line column on Tuesday, I believe, this week. Um, that entry you referenced, is that something that's a concern? Obviously, you know, he's getting six tackles and blocking a punt, uh, stop stuffing the quarterback a couple times. He obviously looks good, but is that injury something that people should be concerned about? No, I don't think so. It sounded like he rehabbed uh, pretty well, you know, and nowadays you're rarely getting a kid into your program that hadn't had surgery on something, you know, and unfortunately his kind of came at the beginning of the year, so he had to miss miss the season. But, you know, if you play football, even at the high school level, you're leaving it with some injuries and stuff like that. So that's just kind of part of the game. Uh, he's not alone, you know, in that aspect or whatever, but he looked, he looked really good and looks like he's uh, pretty much full strength. Well, let's talk about his teammate at, at Memorial High, a defensive back, Jalen Gilbo, class of 2022 kid, so he's only a junior, four-star, 5'11", 175, uh, defensive back, cornerback. What is the um, scouting report on Jalen? And he's one of the more recent commits um, to this program. Uh, did, you, did you like what you saw? Yeah, he was, he was really good. He looked the part. You know, it's kind of hard uh, to judge him because he, I think he only had two or three balls thrown his way. And that – that's pretty common for big-time cornerbacks at the high school level. You know, rarely are, are both of those guys really good, so you, you're going to find where that you know stud is and go the other way. Uh, Laporte wasn't much of a passing team anyway, so um, got to see him a little bit, but for the most part he was just kind of standing out there and shadowing a wide receiver. What I was impressed by is he was pretty aggressive. He was pretty physical, and to see that from a cornerback at a young age is pretty uh, – you know, it's good. It's something that I think is positive that these coaches, you know, want at Texas and around the country as a defensive back who, you know, isn't afraid of contact, isn't afraid to come help and run support. So for as much as he could do in a game that he wasn't really tested in, I thought he looked pretty solid. Jalen will get here in 2022 to Texas. And um, I know the eligibility of things kind of throws these timelines a little off, but conceivably, you know, Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Cook, Jalen Green, Josh Thompson will all be gone by 2022 unless they decide to stay for a fifth or, in Josh's case, a, a sixth year because of eligibility. Uh, Kenyatta Watson um, has already decided to move on and is transferring to Georgia Tech. So conceivably, Texas is going to need cornerbacks um, 
it, by the time the 2022 season rolls around. Is he someone you could see playing right away, or is this something that's going to take a little time to develop once he gets to campus? Now, I always kind of lean towards a red shirt if possible, uh, but there's no doubt that he wants to play early, that that's his plan, that Texas has kind of laid out what you just told me, you know, that all those guys are going to be gone. We need you to come in. We're going to need guys to compete in the two deep, possibly start right away. I mean, that was a huge selling point to get him to commit. So you know, I feel like that's the plan. Now, will he come in and start? I think that's a lot for a true freshman. you got to be, you know, super, super freak of a player to come in and kind of demand that as a true freshman at the cornerback position. I don't know if he's quite there, uh, but he absolutely is somebody who's going to come in and provide depth, probably play some special teams, and doesn't plan to redshirt. Let's head on over to uh, Houston. A straight Jesuit, offensive lineman Max Morrell, class of 2021, a three-star, 6'4", uh, 273 pounds. Another recent-ish commit, uh, commit to this 2021 class. Uh, when you saw him, I know he was one of those guys that you were looking forward to seeing. Um, what was the scouting report on, on Max? Yeah, big, tough dude. Um, you know, I don't know. He was playing left tackle. I don't think that's a position he plays in college. I think right tackle or guard is probably the more likely spot for him. He's only about 6'4", uh, which, I mean, I say only, like that's not small or that's not big. But for a left tackle, you know, you usually want 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", with long arms. I think he's probably more Derek Kerstetter size-wise than he is Samuel Cosme. So I think he slides inside or at least goes to right tackle. Uh, but I thought he looked really good. He, had, he was pretty athletic for a guy that big. He could bend really well. He moved in space pretty well. So uh, I was pretty impressed from him. He, he's not a nationally ranked guy. He's really low on the rankings. He doesn't have a ton of offers. Texas came in on him late. So I don't think I'm alone in the recruiting circles of, of having a lot of question marks and just not knowing much about him. Uh, but offensive line's a really hard place to recruit. If you look at Texas' offensive line, most of the starters weren't thought of as great recruits coming out of high school, and there's some great recruits that were thought of coming out of high school that are sitting on the bench. So offensive line's kind of one of those weird positions, and I was, I was pretty impressed from what I saw. Now, again, I don't think he stays at left tackle, but for a guard or somebody like that, I thought, I thought he was one of the better uh, offensive line recruits from Texas that I've seen in a little while, uh, to be honest with you. You referenced uh, Derek Kerstetter, and I think Derek's an interesting case for what I want to ask next. You know, when he was um, in high school at San Antonio Reagan, I believe it was, you know, he played both tackle positions. He was essentially recruited as an interior lineman. I think he even played center maybe at the Army All-American game. But since he's been at Texas, you know, he started as a right tackle, played some games as a right guard. It took three years, but now he's the starting center. So, I mean, he's kind of moved all over that line. For someone who like Max, bring it back to back to Max Morrell, is it too early to project um, how he fits in as a tackle, a guard, a center at Texas, or is that something where you kind of want to see him get here, get to that redshirt year, and kind of see maybe where Herb Hand, assuming that Herb Hand is still here, and that strength staff kind of mold him, or or can you tell now, you know, his best chance is right guard or center or something like that. I think it's. I think you can tell what somebody can't play right away. Like it was clear with Kerstetter, just like I think it is with Max, that left tackle is just not able to happen because of of their frame. They just don't have the length and the the height to really play that position on a consistent level. So if you don't, if you know he can't play left tackle and he's not a center, and that pretty much just leaves right tackle and guard. And the way Herb Hand wants to do it, and I think this is pretty true across most college staffs, is when you come in and you're doing that redshirt year, even that redshirt freshman year, 
you cross-train. You know, if you're a tackle, you also practice some at guard. If you're a center, you also practice some at guard. If you're a guard, you know, you play either offensive tackle or center debate, you know, whichever that secondary position is. And some of that is just so you have some depth, but also it's kind of figure out where you're best at. And so, you know, I think it'd be hard pressed to go, okay, he's going to be right guard or he's going to be a left guard or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I do think he's somebody who comes in and has the ability to play kind of both of those positions early on the practice squad. And then you just kind of watch him and kind of see how he develops and where that spot is. And then some of it's just what you need. You know, if they need a right guard before they need a right tackle, you know, he may get moved inside and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables up front at offensive line that just don't exist when recruiting and scouting uh, the other position groups. Now, you've been back for a couple a couple of weekends now. As we said, you saw Jordan Thomas, Jalen Gilbo, Max Morell this past weekend, but those aren't the only recruits you've seen in person. You know, over these three, four weeks that you've been back in the lovely state of Maine and kept, you know, getting back into the Texas high school football scene, which, one, which Texas recruit has stood out? Is it a Jonathan Brooks, who's been running wild, but against, you know, inferior competition? Was it, you know, Jatavian Sanders, who – you know, was a human highlight reel when you saw him a couple weeks ago. What, which recruit has stood out the most to you? Which of these Texas recruits? Yeah, those are probably the two, the two guys on the list. I'm going to go with Jatavian Sanders, not only because he's a five-star kid who's just he's really good, but just the game I saw him play against Arlington Martin at AT&T was insane. I mean, he caught a touchdown pass. He intercepted a ball and ran. I think he got two touchdown passes. He intercepted a ball ran it back for a touchdown. He started defensive end. He starts a wide receiver. I mean, he's just a really good high school athlete that can play both ways. So in terms of impressiveness, he was he was absolutely the best just player I've seen all year, much less a Texas commit. Of the 17 kids in this 2021 class, the five, four or five um, in this 2022 – or is it three? However many are in the 2022 class, which one are you – which one are you looking forward to seeing the most that you haven't seen yet um, this fall? In the 2021 class, it's uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, the cornerback out of Dallas Kimball. Uh, only seen him in a camp setting. Uh, would love to get up there and see him play in an 11-11 game. We'll get to do that hopefully in October, maybe November. Uh, that school and that area has kind of been hit by COVID more than a lot of other places. So they've kind of had a – kind of like Baylor, kind of had an un, uneven start uh, to the year. So I hope to get up there and see him. And then in the 2022 class, it's Faison Wilson. You know, he wasn't even really a starter for Lancaster as a sophomore. Uh, barely any stats, was behind a really senior uh, loaded wide receiver group that all went and played uh, some football in college. And so this is kind of the first year where he's really getting to be a star on the offense at the varsity level. He's already committed to Texas. He's already ranked as a four-star. That's without really any varsity film. So I'd love to go see him and just kind of see how he stacks up compared to you know, kind of what people in the industry think of him. As we do every week, um, we're, we, we're going to make a little stop at Craven's Corner and talk a little gambling. Your right. weekly ga- gambling column runs online on Wednesdays in the Thursday newspaper. Texas is obviously on a buy, so we can't really be talking about that spread. Um, but what is your favorite NCAA NFL bet for this weekend for those Longhorn fans who'd like to do some betting but don't have the, the burnt orange to place their money on? or against maybe at this point in the season? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm looking at the best game of the week, and that's Georgia-Alabama. You know, I, again, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I really only try to make bets on games I think I'm going to watch just because I think it gets kind of into a, 
a different kind of category when you're doing it uh, for games that you're not going to sit and watch. So Georgia, Alabama, I think is going to be one of those classic games that comes down to a field goal at the end. Georgia gets six and a half points. I would take the extra half point, take Georgia plus seven, and just hope that it's a a one-score game and uh, you make your money and watch a fantastic game at the same time. And then in the uh, NFL level, I think you're going to like this one. Browns plus three and a half over the Steelers. I, you know, you look at Pittsburgh's record, they hadn't really played anybody. I think, Cle- I think Cleveland's played a much tougher schedule, only with the one loss. I think they go in and win there. Miles Garrett's becoming, uh, you know, one of those defensive MVP candidates over the Browns. They've been playing pretty well uh, after that first game of the season. That's your future Super Bowl champion, Cleveland Browns, that you're talking about right there. Like future as in eventually one day or like this year? I'm just hoping before I before right, I pass right. on to the next right, uh, right, next right. world, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll I'll settle for this year if they want to get it get it out of the way now. But uh, we'll, right. we'll see. Uh, since we were kind of light on material to talk about with Texas being on the bye and um, kind of you know only a deep or a one lost recruiting battle to talk about, we kind of figured we should open up the mailbag for a little bit of content. So we uh, went on Twitter last night, asked some people to submit some questions. Got got three. Uh, replies. So we're going to talk about that one recruiting two kind of nonsense uh, questions. But the first is recruiting question. Clayton at Clayton Bowling on Twitter asked um, Billy Bowman, uh, you know, have we found out what the driving force behind Billy's decommitting was? And um, earlier this week, Billy did re-release his um, top three. Texas was not on that top three. He said, OU, LSU, Georgia. And so I guess my question off of that is, if he does commit to Oklahoma, is that just a huge hit to this Texas team? Yeah, it's a major hit. I mean, he was the second highest rated commit in the 2021 class behind Jatavian Sanders, which is his uh, teammate there at Den Ryan. So, you know, yeah, yeah, huge hit. I think to answer Clayton's question, the driving force, simply from what I've been able to gather, is he wants to play offense. You know, he's listed as an athlete. I think a lot of people, including myself, think safety was kind of his high-end position. I'm wondering if Texas also kind of thought that because it sounds like uh, he's he decommitted and, and possibly most likely uh, will end up at Oklahoma just because he likes the explosiveness of Oklahoma's offense more than the potential that he has in Texas's offense. I think a lot of argument would be found there because of, you know, if there's anything that Texas has been good at the last couple of years, it's been the slot receiver position. Uh, but you have to respect these kids' decisions, right? It's his, his opinion of his future and it sounds like he just thought uh, his role in an Oklahoma offense would be more explosive uh, more fun uh, and a better chance to win than it would be at Texas moving on Tony uh, Blaylock at TXHSFB Texas high school football on Twitter asks funny handle by the way I mean could make Make some decent money from our friend Greg Tepper if he ever wanted to get rid of that. You can sell that or earn, earn some coin. But he asked, why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? And I'm not going to ask you to answer that question, but what is kind of the weirdest question that you often ask recruits and why do you, why do you ask it? We all kind of have that go-to uh, question that, you know, um, may seem weird, but there's a reason you ask it. Do you, do you have one that you often ask? Hmm, that's a good one. You know, I don't know if I have a go-to question. I, I tend to ask recruits kind of where they think they've improved the most just because that lets me know kind of what they think they don't do the best. Uh, so maybe that one, I guess, is my, my best trick question. It's just kind of a way for me to figure out what they think is their 
uh, not negatives, but uh, something that they need to improve on because it's clearly not their best skill set. And it kind of gives me an idea of what, what they think of themselves, where they think their deficiencies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, every a couple times a week now, I think it's Tuesday and Friday, uh, Rick Cantu has a bases off the field interview with a local high school athlete. And, you know, his question that's been in that segment for the 12 years, I've been here for 12 years, 14 years I've been at this newspaper was uh, name four people dead or alive that you would like to have um, dinner with. And that is the money question that gets some of the oddest answers, some of the um, chalkiest answers, uh, some of the most out of left field. And you know, it's a out of left field question when Rick has to Google every single person on the list just to make sure that they're a real person. Because, you know, I remember once uh, a young lady, I think she went to Connolly High School, like her answers were all like geologists from the 1800s or something like that. Like they were just all this like these random, random people who were real people. And, you know, there was a reason why she picked them. But uh, it's not always I'd like to eat dinner with my grandma, Jesus, and Michael Jordan. Sometimes there's some very interesting answers uh, that the kids have. What's your number one? What's for who, well, I, who, I, would, who I would invite? Oh, yeah. That seems chalky. I'd say uh, Jesus. No, um, I mean, I would, I would go. My all-time sports hero is Jackie Robinson for obvious reasons. Um, you know, obviously just being a huge baseball fan and then wanting to ask plenty of questions about, about that, uh, about that time. Um, you know, at this point in time, I may ask the guy who wrote the damn eyes of Texas song, um, <laughs> why he's causing such a headache for me these days. i get an answer, um, for, for that question. It's kind of the question I think about every night when I go to bed is why this song is such a headache to me. But, um, yeah. that's a, uh, that's my, that's my personal take. I'll, I'll, I'll get those two in the same room and see, see what we can get out of that. Uh, Last question, uh, Fletcher, our guy Fletcher Whiteley on Twitter at Fletch Whiteley. Um, this is a controversial question. He, this is the hard-hitting stuff that's here to cause uh, cause drama. He asks us to rank our top five Halloween candy. I'm not going to ask you for all five, but uh, you know, maybe maybe toss me a couple of your favorite Halloween candy since that is uh, a couple couple weeks away. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always going to lean toward the Reese's, you know, whether it being cups or in pieces, you know, I'm not a picky peanut butter and chocolate fan. Uh, just give it to me and I'm good there. Uh, and then, I mean, my favorite candy of all time is peanut M&Ms. It's kind of rare to get those on Halloween. Um, but I think that would be my number two, my main personal goal in life. And this is a long time running here. This is not just for this question. I've always wanted to be the full size candy bar person in my neighborhood. Uh, one day that'll happen. And so that's kind of, that's, that's where I'm trying to get in Halloween where the kids come by and I'm handing out like full size Snickers. That's, that's the energy and mood I need in my life. Yeah. You'll be able to get that on Craven's corner. You know, you'll yeah. kids will go stop yeah. at Craven's yeah. corner and get those uh, full size in M or full size candy bars, which you paid for with your money right. that you made a uh, gambling, uh, give parents some gambling tips, give the kids some candy. I mean, Hey, we could be on something there. One stop shopping. We, uh, my, I'm, I'm usually a fruit candy kind of guy. Um, Starburst first off, mm. pink and yellow is my favorite combination. Wow. Um, I know kind of, that's kind of a hot take right there, but my favorite Halloween candy, and this is, really isn't a Halloween candy because I wouldn't trust someone handing this to me uh, if I went to their house, but I love candy corn. Um, 
Wow. I'm a candy corn guy. I will be at the, uh, I will be at HEB on November 1st, getting as much discount um, uh, candy corn <laughs> as I can. And I don't really care if people don't like it. If you don't like it, more candy corn for me. Knock, yeah. knock, your, knock yourself out. That's uh, go ahead and hate on my favorite Halloween candy. Um, it's not something I'll eat in June, but it is something I'll definitely eat in the fall. Um, and I find it to be quite delicious. I'm not a huge peanut butter guy. Um, it's never something I've really ever been into, but you know, that's uh, I'll let you take all the peanut butter candy and I'll take the candy. Yeah, corn. You can have all my candy corn. You know, I've never understood the hate for candy corn. Like I don't eat candy corn and this may just speak to my personality. But I've never understood like how you can like get upset at other people's taste buds. Like, oh, I can't believe you eat that. It's like, what do you care? I mean, what do you? I mean, you know, this is, I don't, this is a weird thing to care about. You know, like, ah, oh, candy corn's disgusting. It's like, okay, just don't eat it. Like, I don't. I guess I don't get it. I don't get the. I don't get the uh, the rage behind uh, opinions on uh, things that aren't you know facts or not. Yeah, well, people get upset about a lot of things, as you can tell by going over to our Facebook page uh, at Facebook dot com slash place. So, place yeah but uh that's gonna do it for us uh thanks for tuning in this week we do appreciate that if you get a chance uh, go over to the google podcast app or um you know spotify wherever you leave reviews and leave us a review we do appreciate that thanks for tuning in this week we'll be back next week to talk more recruiting and we appreciate you guys tuning in this week see you later peace